morning, folks. It's time for Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show about the crucial political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and the nation at large. Join us for a stimulating, thought-provoking discussion. You'll get the facts as we focus on the challenges facing everyone. Good morning, folks. Welcome to Democratic Perspective. Steve Williamson here. Um, we have a good show, I think, for you today with the candidates for city council. Um, we forget how important local elections are. And uh, this one, uh, generally, city council elections in Sedona are uh, extremely important and really make a difference. So the candidates that are running here that we'll be interviewing can make a difference in how the direction that the city goes. But first, I want to do my usual appeal for money. <laughs> um, uh, this is the NPR. You know, we're not going to talk until you kick in some cash. But seriously, go to our website. We'd appreciate any kind do- of donations. Our um, plans for a uh, uh, fundraiser have been put off now since I'm going in for knee surgery. <laughs> and I don't want to be wheeled into a fundraiser. Um so we'll be talking to the candidates, and that's the next week uh, on Democratic Perspective. We'll have uh, Paul Lenz uh, as a political scientist at NAU. Paul's been on the show many times. Um, we'll be talking about the Ukraine. He's an expert mostly on Middle Eastern military uh, but and civilian relations between the, the, them. But I think he's a really good person to talk about. Uh, uh, the Ukraine because he's up on all on, on a lot of on the military st- side of things. Um, well, without further ado, I've got three candidates sitting here, and uh, and I'm doing all the talking, and they're just sitting there. So I'm going to have them introduce themselves and uh, uh, tell you tell shortly a little bit about your background, and then we'll go to a, a discussion. And um, feel free to chime in and stuff and uh, to ask your own questions and and uh, to let folks know what, what issues are important to you. All right. We'll start from left to right. All right. Good morning. Thanks, Steve. This is Brian Foltz, and I'm a resident of the Chapel area. I've owned my home there for about 17 years, uh, but I'm a more recent full-time resident. I'm a small business owner. I've got a consulting company that I run that works with mid-size and large global enterprise clients, and I'm also a franchisee owner outside of the state of Arizona. I moved here with my wife, Amy, and she's the executive director over at the Sedona Charter School, and we've got three uh, adult children, or at least they're, they're old enough they should behave like adults. So uh, we love living here in Sedona, love the Red Rocks, love being out to mountain bike, hike, um, and trail run. Those are the, the passions that I have. I know we're going to talk about uh, the issues that matter to us here in a moment, so I think I'll pass it over to, to Pete. Yeah, a lot of us moved here really not so much for the town itself that your guys are running for city council on, but for the forest around it and the fact that Sedona had all all these outdoor activities available. Morning, Steve. Yes, thanks for having us here this morning. That's a, that's a great opportunity. Before I get, I, my name's Pete Furman, uh, but before I get into my background, I just want to make a plea to you about uh, 
rethink your idea of a fundraiser with uh, you, uh, you know, being wheeled in. I think that might get some sympathy cash coming in for you as well. So. Uh, Steve, I, uh, I'm a current planning and zoning commissioner in the city of Sedona. I'm also on the police pension board. I've served on a couple of the city work groups in my time here in the past, one on uh, uh, the city budget commission and the other on uh, on home rule options and then but prior to moving to Sedona, I served for eight years as the chief of staff to the mayor of the tenth largest city in the United States. Many people don't know what that is. It's San Jose, California. I think there are now more people in Sedona that know that San Jose is the tenth largest city because I've been saying it so often but uh you know, I think with that background, I know how to work with mayors and council members, with city managers and city staff and the public, and how to get things done in local government, and I think it's important. I love the name of your uh, uh, website. What, what is it? Tell my folks, my website is? is Sedona Pete. I am, in fact, SedonaPete.com. All right. And we have a current member of the council, uh, JT. I remember... I interviewed him years ago when he when you when you first ran, and I knew nothing about you, and I knew nothing about Tom Lampkin. There, just you, you know, just you were like ciphers, and you showed up. And I thought, my gosh, these guys are good. You know, I'm really impressed. So introduce yourself. I think people know you. Well, I hope you haven't been disabused of that notion in the last uh, several years. No, I've been napping for, you know, most of the time. So uh, so I haven't had time to pick it up. Yeah. Well, thank you, uh, Stephen. It's great to be here. Um, My name is John Thompson, and I do go by JT. Uh, Yes, I served uh, one term already in 2014 to 18. Uh, I didn't run for re-election at that time because... There were uh, at least a couple other people that I was really high on, and they would have provided more diversity to our uh, very old white male uh, council. So I was uh, supporting them, and I went off and, and did some things uh, uh, more to my, my first real love, which is uh, protecting the environment and dealing with sustainability. Um, there were a couple of resignations during that next term, and so Tom Lampkin and I were both asked to come back and and fill in those those spots, and so I was happy to come back. I've been back on council now for a year, and um, in the same spot as I was <laughs> the last time, thinking that we'll try and get some really good people to uh, to fill those three seats that are coming up and um, keep that diversity going. Uh, as it turns out, you've just heard two really excellent people. I'm totally uh, behind Brian and, and Pete and, and their campaigns. And uh, but it, as it turns out, I uh, was not happy with any other choices that were there for that third seat. And so as a result, I became more interested in coming back for another term. And and frankly, the, the pleasure of serving with our current counselors that that are so terrific. And, and these two guys, if uh, we can pull it off, uh, is just uh, really enticing. There's some so many great things to to be done here, but um, I'm looking forward to doing that. In my 20 years in Sedona, I think this is the best council I've seen. The one, the current one, I agree it's with you. proactive and it seems to understand Sedona's situation. Um, uh, it's been willing to to buy land and stuff and to take some chances. I think that that that's really necessary. Um, when we moved here, what we noticed was the forests all around Sedona, a national forest, but inside the town, the city had almost no property to, to do anything with. 
And uh, a friend of mine was the uh, in, in, in Albuquerque, built all this wonderful workforce housing. But he had abandoned train tracks and areas. He had free land to do it. So let's go to that issue. How does, how does it, we've gone from calling it affordable housing since the idea of being able to build housing for the poor is just out of the reach of anything the city council can do, right? And we call it workforce housing because, well, you folks can talk about it better than I. When I started working here uh, 20 years ago, uh, most of the guys I worked with lived in Sedona. A lot of them still lived in Cottonwood. The housing that they lived in, particularly the single men and women who didn't have a partner, that housing has sort of disappeared. There's no place for them to live. They've all been converted to one thing or another. So that's what I see in my experience. So, uh, uh, Brian, let's start with you. Talk a little bit about the issue. So when I look at uh, the, the challenge of affordable housing, I think about it in multiple demographic groups. So there's certainly the workforce component, and uh, that includes our teachers, uh, city employees, you know, the fire department, police officers, in addition to those that support our local businesses. So there's that component, and they're struggling to find places to live. And many of them actually live in dispersed camping out in the national forest west of town, which is really crazy to have people gainfully employed and essentially functionally homeless. Uh, so you've got that component that's struggling. Um, you know, a big part of the group of the demographic group that has uh, kind of been forced out is also those that have children. And so we're seeing, you know, declines in the attendance in the school system. And, you know, there's been closures within the school system. So that's a major concern as well. And then finally, you've got the demographic of people that lived here for many years that oftentimes are retirees and the homes that they were living in have either been uh, they've been evicted out of because they're being converted to an STR, a short term rental, or uh because market rates have gone up so much, they're seeing their rent go up by $900 a month or more, which is effectively being evicted for many of them. So uh, it, it is a real problem. And, uh, you know, we do need the city to take bold steps to find solutions that, you know, either involve uh, partnership with developers on available parcels, looking at opportunities to increase density where it's sensible to do so. Uh, those are some of the things I'd like to see us work on. Pete? That was, you know, really well said, a summary of the issue that Brian just said. I agree with all of it. You know, I'll add to, we call it workforce housing. I think the focus is on the term workforce housing now because it's the residents are seeing the impacts of the workforce being decimated in Sedona. And, you know, restaurants, uh, limited hours are closed and limited menus and services that we residents uh, count on to live here as part of our life is is getting uh, impacted. So that's the class of of folks that we're looking at, you know, as opposed to the the wandering travelers that always have come to Sedona and and come and stay for a while and then move on. That's that's not the the group that has got our attention right now. but, uh, you know, we, we need, uh, Sedona needs to address the workforce housing issue. We're going to, we're going to, it's already happening. Sunset Lofts project is one project that's moving forward. Uh, and it's, 
Uh, it's good, uh, but we also have to recognize that we're not going to get it all done in Sedona here, solving our workforce problems that we have in, in Sedona. We're going to need to work regionally. We're going to need to work with Cottonwood and, and uh, 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 Verde Valley, all throughout the Verde Valley to uh, help uh, solve this issue. So a little town, Sedona, is trying to do this. Can you get any federal help? Can you get any state help to build housing, uh, workforce housing? Or is Sedona kind of on its own working with the developers? JT, you've been on the council a long time. Yes. Uh, actually, that's a part of the whole solution is to work with the federal government in terms of grants and so forth. It's especially important at the lower levels. Uh, as Brian was talking about, there are different levels, and we need them all. We can't just have a retirement community here in Sedona. Um, but uh, the, the the one project that, that Pete mentioned is being partially uh, supported that way, and we have other opportunities as well. Uh, Pete also mentioned that we have to work with Cottonwood and other Verde Valley areas. We uh, hired a, uh, a housing manager uh, in the city jointly with the city of Cottonwood. Pretty um, creative thought. I, I, Very I creative thought at the time. idea, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a kudos to our city manager for you know, thinking that through and saying that, uh, that part of the solution might just be in how we bring uh, our workforce in from other areas. Um, but we've been, as you said, uh, Steve, buying up property uh, where it was uh, appropriate and considering other purchases where we might be able to put housing because we have limited space, as you know, for doing that now. Very limited space, and I, I I really think that buying the property is important. I know I was arguing with uh, uh, one of the former uh, um, city council people the other day. <laughs> Never wants to buy anything. I used to call him Counselor No, a uh, great guy. But uh, 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 Brian, you had a hand. Yeah, uh, you know I agree with what Pete was saying about uh, and JT both. You know that it is a regional problem that we need to solve. But one of the misconceptions that I see frequently or hear frequently is, oh well, you know the the workers can just simply live in Cottonwood or Camp Birdie and drive in. Challenges their housing is drying up also. So. You know, while it is a regional problem and we need a reg- you know, regional solutions, Sedona can't just expect its surrounding neighbor communities to be the solution. We absolutely have to be part of it. Also, in some of the things that people do in Sedona in the uh, tourist industry that workers do, not living in Sedona is very costly to what you have to do. So when you're, a, for example, a Jeep tour guide, if you live in Sedona, you can go home between tours. If you've got two hours, you can go home and rest up. And in summer, that's particularly important. If you don't live in Sedona, then you just have to hang around. There's always been a price, and I think in a lot of the other issues there are for work well. So let's start. Where where can you build workforce housing? Let's start with uh, Brian again, and then we'll go to Pete and JT. Where can you build it? Because what I see, you know, for, on social media is this ferocious, don't build anywhere near me. It's always going to have traffic that will destroy the neighborhood. I hear the same things that seem doubtful over and over again. Where can it be built? What can? How can we get enough affordable housing over, say, the next 10 years to actually affect anything? 
Well, I think it's an interesting question you just posed there at the end of, you know, basically like how much. That, that, that's the million-dollar question. How much can we build? Because we've got a study that's already multiple years old and outdated that says we need 1,500 housing units, wow. right? So uh, we know the challenge is large, but when you look at what's available, you know, the city council had a, a work session with city staff a few weeks ago looking precisely at this, and it's still uh, a work in progress, uh, a number of of properties were identified that could serve as uh, viable locations for higher density development. And a number of them are along the 89A corridor, which largely would be considered more appropriate for higher density with less appetite for that higher density the further you move off the main road. But it really, in my mind, I think we have to have a community conversation about it. And the timing is great because we're early in the phase of the uh, uh, 10-year community plan update right now, uh, which I'm on that uh, citizen working group uh, for that. And I think we absolutely need to be getting input from the community, you know, region by region in the, the city to get a sense of what the city will be willing to accept what the residents will be willing to accept in order to address this problem because you know we don't want to just put all the effort into a great plan that the city will that the residents will not support Pete, so uh, yeah let you have yeah steve i i think uh, one of the unique things about sedona that we have in our favor for helping to solve this problem is for a city of our size less than 10,000 people now a declining population which is a a real problem that we've got but for a city our size we have i don't know what the exact lineal mileage is but it's over 10 miles of of uh you know the 89a running from west sedona up into uptown and north and and then 179 coming up into town we have a lot of commercial property way more commercial property than than a city of our size would otherwise have and so there's room here for Sedona to densify in terms of live workspace or or more dense housing space uh closer to the the highway corridor so that's that's a, a really interesting potential for Sedona to think about JT you're yeah, on the counter absolutely right <clears throat> pardon me uh absolutely right uh, Pete and and uh the, one of the issues and the challenges is that commercial property is more valuable than the further away from the highway. So it really does take uh, the efforts of the city. Uh, luckily, one of the, one of the uh, upsides of all the activity that we've had uh, with the high uh, tourism rates and so forth since the pandemic hit uh, is that we have uh, swelling coffers at the city. We are not a poor city. So we have the, the money to spend, and it's all good tax money that needs to be put to good, good use. So these are ways that uh, we can accomplish what they call P3, uh, public-private partnerships, uh, working with developers who otherwise would not be incentivized uh, to build um, uh, apartments or, or lower-income um, uh, kinds of, of places. They can get more money uh, building single-family homes and, uh, and putting them in, dense er- and put them in, in uh, open areas. So um, it's, it's something that we all need to, to do together. 
there's always been um, not a conflict, but a difference between the people who work in Sedona or, say, own businesses and the retirees and then our visitors, our tourists, who are providing the bulk of the money. There's always been a little bit of conflict. That seems to have gotten kind of out of hand with uh, in, in the last few years. But let's go to... to Steve, uh, I may just comment on that, interestingly, uh, talking with lots of folks around here. And I, I think first, really, it's the modern communication styles that are seemingly exacerbating that problem of is there really a difference um, I, I know that I've gotten a, a great opportunity in, in recent months to talk to Lisa Schnebley Heidinger the great granddaughter mm -hmm. of Sedona and uh, some other folks here in town and if you talk to the residents that have been here for 30 years they've seen change they know Sedona is about change and they know Sedona will continue to change it's it's I think the the people that have retired here in recent years, three, four, five years, and they came here with a specific idea what their retirement is going to be like, and uh, and it's changed. So they're encountering the Sedona change for the first time, and and so that's I think where we're seeing the difference in in opinion. But you know, they they, they come around. Everyone understands that Sedona is is about change. I hope so because uh, you know if you move to a tourist town, there's going to be tourists. You know, I mean. Right. I don't know what people thought, but when we moved here 20 years ago, spring break was chaotic in, in terms of the amount of traffic. Just a lot of people come here. It's gotten worse or there's more visitors. We do but have, we do but have, to arrive here and decide, you know, I want a nice, peaceful community that's quiet. And you're moving to a major tourist destination in the world. It just, people seem unreasonable to me, Pete, sometimes. Yeah, well, you know, when the... When the Schnebleys first moved here, when Sedona and her husband first moved here, the first thing they did when they got themselves established is they built themselves a guest house. Sedona yeah. is a tourist town. It has always been a tourist town. That's has two edges of that sort. We have more services and things available for us in Sedona than we would otherwise have for a town of 10,000. But, you know, tourism does exacerbate the problems, too. I was I was talking to, um, I think it was Al, Al Purdyman, uh, one of the last Purdymans, and I said to him, why did you move to Cottonwood from Sedona? And he said, well, I put in that damn uh, street light, you know. And I, I said, I just couldn't bear that, so I moved to Cottonwood. Now, the sense of that makes no sense whatsoever. But uh, there's change and there's change. So change for him was suddenly there's the traffic lights in, uh, in Sedona. And he was talking about a single one. That was too much for him. So uh, I, people have to get used to the fact that things do change and the community does change. And I don't how – do, how do we – let's start with JT. How do we approach – Tourism, because tourism basically, I think, finally of getting people are understanding that tourists are paying most of our bills. Okay, how do we manage this vast tourism traffic that comes into Sedona? And I'm, I'm think it's wonderful we're seeing these young families. I think it's wonderful we're seeing multi-ethnic, multi-generational groups coming to Sedona. It's not just you know. Uh, um, Upper middle class folks flying in from from uh, from New York, who were really great. I hope they'll we'll get more of them back. But it's 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 spread out to all demographic groups, and a lot of people are coming from Phoenix. 
and people ran against the advertising. But if you go to Phoenix, you know, I'm my story is I'm I'm sitting there with an EKG. I'm all wired up. Oh, there's two guys in there. I'm wired up. They're doing this stuff, and they say, "What's the best tra- hiking trails up in Sedona?" <laughs> so, so stopping the popularity of Sedona doesn't seem reasonable. So I see it as a very difficult management problem because I don't think it's going to stop. I don't think I don't think the advertising is actually even bringing anybody here uh, that's causing the problems. I think it's. Sedona is now a place to go in Phoenix, and Phoenix is growing like crazy. So, how can we manage? Let's start with JT, and we'll just we'll go to to, to Pete and Brian. Well, you know, I you've given me a lot to talk about there, and I'm, no, it's, uh, you don't want I to have get twenty eight questions for you. <laughs> uh, but I, I do want to go back the first twenty four. Okay, I do want to go back to answer that. To go back to something that Pete said because he brought up uh, Sedona. Uh, Schnebley, the original uh, 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 namesake of our town, building that that uh, guest house, and you know, you you hear a lot of people complain about, oh, the tourists are the problem. The tourists are the problem. It's we have a lot of people in Sedona who understand the concept of uh, of cordiality and uh, and welcoming. Uh, it, it's in our it's in our official statement of our our vision for the community uh, that that we are welcoming to visitors and future residents alike. Um, we all have homes where we we have uh, visitors come and stay with us, and we we screen them to a certain extent. Their family or people we know or whatever, or maybe they're even short term rental. Uh, people that we uh, bring into a, a spare room or something like that, but we do some kind of screening of them before we do that. So, so the trick is to figure out how we can uh, continue to manage the uh, the vision of Sedona as a place for people to come are the kind of people that we want to come. Uh, people who are looking for health uh, solutions, people who are looking for inspiration, people who enjoy and appreciate the outdoors and and the natural wonders. Uh, that's that's not totally self-selecting. It depends on how you market it. So we work closely with the Chamber of Commerce and Tourism Bureau to get that message right, uh, to provide that message during times when uh, tourists don't tend to come here more often than not, and over the last couple of years to basically cut down on that message entirely. Uh, so there are always lots of things that we can do to uh, to manage it. But if we aren't welcoming and thinking of our home as a place that we are looking forward to share uh, in the proper way, I think we're missing a great opportunity. And, and most of the people that I meet in Sedona uh, get that. These two guys get that. So well, Let's ask Pete about sustainable tourism. We heard that phrase. Is that just talk, or is there a way to do sustainable tourism that, that Sedona can make a contribution to? Yeah, thanks. Um, there is, in fact... A little outdated plan now called the Sustainable Tourism Plan in in Sedona, and it needs to be reworked. But yes, I mean that there is. Uh, Steve, you had mentioned that the current city council is a a, a good and effective city council, and I agree with you wholeheartedly about that. I think if you look at all of them and the work that they're doing, they're trying to make the decisions um, for our town that are in the best interests of our town. And one of them is the is the uh, SIM, the Sedona Motion Transportation Improvement Projects, 
Um, we've had some great success in traffic headed south on 179 into Sedona, improvements that we've made there. We're uh, still looking at making uh, more changes. The, the program still runs for several years, and we just have to keep our nose to the grindstone and, and keep working those projects, keep the focus on that. Will it you know, solve traffic problems to go back to 10 years ago? No, it won't. Tra- traffic is, is bigger because there's more people coming. And, and Sedona will always have people coming, as I like to say sometimes that, Every photo ever taken of Sedona is an advertisement for people to come to Sedona. Yeah, truly. And, and social media is just the viral mechanism where these images now are, are being spread further and faster than ever before. So, But, you know, tread lightly. We do things like tread lightly in the Secret 7 uh, where our, you know, city leaders working with the chamber are trying to figure out how to uh, educate the tourists that are coming into town to treat uh, with respect uh, this area that we all know and love and to kind of distribute the the load around town. But we also have to be a little bit careful. There was a, you know, an implicit bargain, I think, between tourists and the residents before about peak season and off season and off season was kind of for us and, and, the, and the locals. And so we have to be careful and thoughtful about trying to build tourism to a maximum level all year round. Um, so you know these are these are tricky problems, uh, very difficult problems, and and the struggle with them, you know, will continue as we have to think about that. Brian, yeah, thank you, Steve. So you know we we've got about 3.4 million visitors coming annually, and if you compare that with the 2021 visitorship of the national parks, we'd be the number eight <laughs> largest uh, you know visited park in the country we'd be ahead of yosemite national park and you know when you put into that context and you start thinking about well what are the solutions that some of the national parks are putting in place to address the numbers of visitors that they're seeing uh which i'll refer to here in a second i think we need to be looking at doing that via our relationship with the national forest service that guy uh manages you know the 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 pristine nature that we've got around us here so if you go up to moab and you look at our Arches National Park, they've got a timed entry system now to get into the park. If you go to Zion National Park, there's a daily permit system for accessing the Angels Landing Trail. We need to be looking at those types of access control. We already have it at Soldier Pass for OHVs, but we need to be looking for that type of control over OHV access to Broken Arrow and some of the places west of town. Um, you know, anybody that drives up Dry Creek and sees literally a mile-long string of cars parked on there of people that are all hiking back to Devil's Bridge, it's a pilgrimage. And, you know, I, I think there's this misnomer that in the desert – you, you you can't really cause any damage. You know, it's rough, it's cactus and rocks, and you can't cause damage. But this is a sensitive ecological environment, and that's part of the educating, part of the sustainable tourism plan that we need to continue to ramp up that messaging that this is a place that actually can be damaged. It's not something that you can just go plowing over in your mountain bike, which I love to mountain bike, just to be clear. Uh, but, you know, you got to respect the trails, whether it's on a bike, on foot, or on an OHV. And respect people doing the other thing. I always appreciate when bikers are careful about us hiking on the trails and and don't act like we're intruders. And we try to act like they're not intruders either. Um, I guess my question would be, 
I see what the city has done with traffic management in uptown, right? And since I go to uh, the Sedona Art Center all the time, I can see how it works. It is so much better than it used to be. I see the improvement. I don't even know what people are saying when they say there's been no improvement. But heading south and coming up from Phoenix, I don't see that the city has done anything to help manage traffic. So I guess we go to JT on that since he's been on the council. When you say heading south, you mean 179? Yeah. 179 coming up coming, coming up from north yeah. or heading south. There's big uh, backups going down Cook's Hill, uh, as you see, every about 4 o'clock. I'm lucky I'm always going the opposite direction. I just feel pity for right. those poor people. <laughs> and Okay, what right. can we do about that? Well, That's traffic be- between here and Phoenix, I guess, is my question. Is that better? Yeah, sure. Well, the, the comprehensive transportation master plan that was done several uh, years ago that was the impetus for the SIM program that, that Pete mentioned, um, looked at where the, the worst areas were. And so we attacked it from the standpoint of what the worst areas were. And coming out of the canyon was, in fact, the, the worst area. So you, we can, you'll see the most improvement from that. Uh, coming up 179 uh, was further down the list a little bit in terms of uh, what were the possibilities and how expensive they would be. Um, but we are still working on some of those things. People know that the crosswalk <clears throat> there at uh, Tlacopaki, uh tends to slow things down. Um, so we're building an underpass. Uh, people know that coming out of Tlacopaki, if you want to go back to West Sedona or uptown, uh, you, you have to turn right and make a U-turn at that one roundabout there. That adds more congestion to people coming up 179. So we are uh, putting through little connector roads that will take those people to the east to get back to, to West Sedona uh, to exit Tlacopaki or uh, Los Ab, for example. Uh, and those projects are underway, too. Those will have some uh, benefit as well. Um, but there's there's no doubt about it when you when you get to that pinch point there at, at Tlacopaki where it's a single lane, it doesn't matter whether you have two or three or five lanes coming up, they're all going to funnel into it. So um, the biggest part of it is to, again, go back to how we can make the incentives for people to come here, uh, the, the right ones, so that we get people to come here who are willing to leave their car at a central place, uh, at, uh, at maybe on the outskirts, parking garage at some point or whatever, uh, and use our, our uh, uh, transit that we're developing to move around the city. So it's a, it's a good example, uh, Steve, of how all these things are interconnected. We haven't even mentioned transit until now. That's one of the biggest things that's happening in our city. And it's the, the answer to several of our problems. Let's see if, if, if Pete and Brian have a, a take on that. We'll start with uh, Pete. What's your take on the, on the traffic situation? Because when I listen into social media, uh, that's where I see the most crazy, over-the-top feeling. And um, I can see the traffic and stuff. And I don't know why people don't come up 89A from there, there but... But I thought that the uh, <laughs> I thought ADOT was going to help us with this, but I don't see uh, I don't see any help. So, what about it? 
what what you have any takes on what we can do about traffic? Because sure. that's the people, the thing that's frustrating people the most, yep. I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'll go back to on my website, SonomaPete.com, you'll see traffic, workforce, housing, short-term rentals are these quality of life issues that are the center of my campaign. Uh, and they're all this tied in a knot. You can't talk about one without talking about the others. Uh, I'll just uh, quickly slip in here. John talked about some great projects, two more that I'll talk about. Uh, one is uh, as you're headed north on uh, 179, you get on 89A and you come into Uptown, and you, if you're looking to go to Amar Resort, uh, there's a right-hand turn there that the, our traffic engineers, and by the way, our city staff uh, and our, 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 our traffic staff, uh, are, are amazing. We're doing some really amazing modeling these days. It's just really interesting to see. But they've traced a lot of this problem of the backup that's on 179 and, and the Schnebley Hill roundabout to the folks having to turn right there into Amara Resort and the pedestrians all getting in the way and the traffic coming to a standstill. So they're going to add a little um, a, a turning lane that should help this problem. It's going to be very interesting to see. Um, the result of that. And then the Forest Road extension coming past the new parking garage in Uptown, coming down to 89A. And so, you know, what we're seeing traffic-wise, so there's those things can help North Brown 179. The, the traffic that we're seeing on Cooks Hill these days coming into Sedona on 89A, you know, I think that's what we're seeing is this a, a commuting traffic now that we didn't really used to have before because of the short-term, long-term rental issue and the workforce living out of town. Now we've gotten this commuting traffic that's new to us. And the Forest Road extension, I think, is going to uh, potentially help that. There's longer-term plans about maybe moving that first roundabout a little further to the west where the transit hub is going to be. So there's lots of things that are going to be around here, and incrementally they'll all help a little bit. So people have to kind of... Be patient, right, Brian? And and or, I guess if they listened in more and and got an idea of what the city was going to do, if you see something is going to be taken care of, and you can see that city, it took a while, but the city did redo. I know it's not finished. I know there's some major stuff in uptown that'll it'll help things further. Um, and I know there's some problems. That roundabout in Uptown is really not quite big enough to do the job. And I know there are these trade-offs, but I guess we've got a few minutes left. What what do you see yeah. to, to deal with our traffic problem? Do you have a favorite idea? Or? I, I do. It's actually on my website, uh, which is brianforsedona.com. So B-R-I-A-N-F-O-R Sedona.com. So we don't lack for uh, good ideas to implement to address traffic. Uh, we've got a great list of uh, projects to work on, and we have the money to do it. Where we actually lack is in the project managers to manage these projects. That is, you know, straight from the words of city staff, uh, that, you know, their capacity constrained by the ability to manage the projects. So my personal suggestion is, is let's use the resources we have and let's contract with some con commercial construction companies and hire some of their project managers, essentially as consultants, to have them increase our capacity to get these projects done. Because you, you mentioned a moment ago, Steve, about, you know, having patience uh, and putting patience and traffic together. Those, those just don't go together well at all. And so uh, I'd like to see us accelerate our ability to work on the many good projects that have been identified and will continue to be identified. So traffic, 
one other big issue. Let me let me start to go this direction. Let, mm. Let's go ahead and start with you, Brian. Mm-hmm. What's the most important or the most important several issues to you running as a candidate? What helped? What issues helped you decide that you needed or wanted to run? And then I will go to Pete and then JT. Sure, and respecting time here. So, you know, obviously short-term rentals are top of mind for everybody, and and I don't think we even need to get into that, or at least I'm not going to choose to. Uh, Affordable housing, traffic, sustainability, we've talked about all of those. Uh, One of the areas that I see emerging just in, in talking with people in the community lately is uh, healthcare, the the lack of physicians available, uh, the risk that that's putting to people being able to age in place here, uh, people having to move because they just simply can't get the healthcare they support as they get older. And so I think that is something that the city needs to spend a little more time talking about and identifying solutions and whether that's to support, you know, possibly, let's say, assisted living to be built uh, out at the cultural park or something like that, right? I think we need to be having some of those conversations as well. Uh, That's a biggie that, uh, you know, as I talk with people, that that just really is uh, getting on my mind more and more. And and I guess just one other little quick hit on, uh, you know, sustainability in the environment, the whole OHV uh, damage and destruction that that goes on on the Forest Service roads. uh, We need to be working on that with the Forest Service, you know, very aggressively to get them to, to see that it's time to put in access controls because the operators here in town are not going to do it of their own free will, and we're just going to continue to see destruction. Pete? Yeah, for me, Steve, uh, quality of life for our residents and supporting our local businesses were the main issues that, uh, among the main issues that I was campaigning on. Traffic, workforce, housing, short-term rentals, as you know, as we've said a bunch of times. But in addition to that, I'd like to put on the table here... Um, uh, I talked some environmental protection issues, and particularly I'm concerned about our water, water supply, water use, um, flooding issues, all that we need to work about. And, and we have been, City Council has been addressing these really quite effectively. And then fire risk, fire risk, fire eva- mitigation, evaluation, evacuation. Um, you know, we had some uh, a potentially close call here last year, and uh, with our climate, the, those risks are likely going up, and so we need to spend more time thinking about that. And we've got a very interesting potential program coming up um, soon where we'll look at some evacuation studies. But I also want to put on the table here, Steve, that this election, whether Sedona residents know it yet or not, it's time for us to talk about uh, home rule, the home rule vote that we have to do. It's worth a, another a day, another conversation to really get now, into that. We'll but have that a will, whole show on <laughs> that. will be on the ballot, and I'm very supportive of of uh, us retaining a home rule. Voting against home rule, and if home rule didn't happen, I can't think of a rational reason for it. Oh, well, we've got two minutes. JT, <laughs> since we've got two minutes, you have one minute. And I can't give my name up. in two minutes. What do you yeah. mean? <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, uh, I'm, I'm glad that Pete mentioned the water issue because uh, environmental issues, of course, are very important to me. And uh, uh, my my top three things for my campaign are sustainable communities, sustainable economy, and sustainable future. And if you see a a, a, a thread there, uh, it's it's that I consider my role 
uh, my particular role and my particular interest is to make sure that all of the current issues that bother us every day get looked at in terms of the bigger picture of what is going to be our future and that we can do it in the right way. So uh, everyone else has mentioned uh, their websites. I'm going to mention mine, which is SedonaAZ.gov. That you will recognize as the uh, <laughs> website for the city where you can go and you can look at uh, any of the uh, videos of the uh, previous uh, meetings where I have spoken on anything. I'm very proud of my record, and I'm looking forward to working with both Brian and Pete uh, on the next council starting in November. That's uh, amazing. You hear on social media, nobody will listen to me, and, and I don't know, and, and all this misinformation, a constant... It's like it goes in and out of misinformation. And you, the, the Sedona website, the city website, is a good place to just find out things. And also, you know, you literally can go on the website. You'll find JT's uh, 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 email address. You can just email him a question. And the same way with both these guys running. Don't sit there with all kinds of questions and, uh, and imagine all kinds of answers. Actually ask people. Thank you for being with us. Uh, go to our website, VVID, for this show and all our other shows for the past almost 11 years. You've been listening to Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show focusing on the political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and our nation at large. Catch us every Monday morning after the 8 a.m. news, right here on AM 780 KAZM. It's beautiful out there, folks. Have a great day.